It's episode 98 of the Parkrun Adventurers. We are on the cusp of another milestone podcast. My name is Mel. I'm joined by my co-host Scotty. Hi Mel. Hey Scotty. Um, what have we got to talk about this week? Oh, usually lots, lots of fun stuff. Well, tell me, tell me how has Parkrun engrossed your world this week? Engrossed my world? Well, it's it's been a busy week, actually, behind the scenes. Uh, I actually, I, well, on Parkrun Day, I volunteered, but on earlier during the week, on Monday evening, I attended uh, a meeting to get some landholder permission for a proposed event, not too far from where I live, about an hour away from me, uh, in Woodford. So there's going to be a Woodford Park run. Watch this space in the next few months because we got permission and uh, had a fabulous time. I went with the future ED, Kelly, up to Woodford and met with the show society up there. And it was amazing. You know, I just love these little rural communities and they they have their, their committee meetings and stuff like that. And everybody is so down to earth and by the end of the meeting, I knew everyone by their first names and uh, one of the ladies had brought along a slice, you know, to share with everybody and it was just great. I I love I love that Parkrun is getting out there and getting into all these communities and they were really excited about the prospect of having a Parkrun come and join them soon. So that was really good fun. Okay, take me back though. So what does that actually involve? Do you go there with a presentation you have to talk in front of the, a group of councillors. What, what happens? What actually is involved in getting permission to start a park run in one of these towns? Well, this, this one in particular, so it really depends on where you want the course to be. Um, in, the, in this case, the course is going to be in the Woodford showgrounds, which means that we, we contact a council to check with them uh, because all parkrun events, you need to get permission from the landholders to to run on their land. And most cases, that's council. In some situations, that's um, state government. Uh, and in this case, after we contacted council, they said, look, it's it's got exclusive lease to the showground society. So as long as you have their permission to use the, the land, then that's okay with us. So we had to approach them. Um, they have a meeting once a month where they have the president, the secretary, and then any any members of their uh, committee who come along and talk about all sorts of business to do with the show and the showgrounds. And yeah, so we had to submit um, a request in writing about you know what we were proposing to do, and then to help sell sell the concept, I guess, we went along to the meeting, and yeah, we did present. Uh, in front of the group, we we basically got up and explained to them what Parkrun was. None of them had ever heard of it, um, not surprisingly, being a bit sort of far away. I think their, their closest event is uh, Central Lakes, which is about 40 minutes away or 30, 30 minute drive perhaps down the mountain from them. And yeah, so we just had to explain what it was and answer any questions they had. You know, a, a lot of them scoffed at the idea of running five kilometers because, you know, they had their knees all taped up or <laughs> things like that. So uh, we had to explain that there's walking and all that sort of thing involved and the benefits that it's got for the community and, and the kind of um, 
other benefits that are going to come into the town through parkrun tourism and adventures and all that sort of thing. So basically they had to put it to a vote whether or not they were willing to give us permission to do that and um, after they understood the impacts that it was going to have like even on their normal operations and that sort of thing and yeah in in this situation it was all in favor said I. Oh well done you must yeah. be very persuasive when you're talking about parkrun. I don't know if I'm persuasive so much as passionate and people people can't help but get caught up in the enthusiasm. And Kelly, who's the future event director there, she's a local and she's very passionate about the community as well as Parkrun. So I'm sure that shone through from her that they could see that she just really wants to do something that's going to be so positive for their local community. So they were definitely on board and I'm, yeah, full kudos to Kelly for, for getting up there and having a chat with them as well with me. Hmm. So this community doesn't know anything about Parkrun. They don't know what it is. In my role at the moment, one of my biggest challenges explaining to people what it is they can never get past the running event part of it and I think you hinted at it there that these people would never consider running 5k so then do you flip your persuasive argument to tell this group of people that it's not a running event Uh, well that's before they even have to ask the question it's one of the things I say it's a run not a race and open to all abilities and um, ages as well. I, I explain that I always use norm as my, my um, what's the word? I don't know, encouraging arguments that, you know, we have a 93-year-old park runner who comes along and, and that always, you know, impresses everyone because it's an impressive thing to do. But then we also, you know, really emphasise that everybody participates at their own um, level, you know, their own to their own capabilities, and it it's more about the social aspect and having fun and and meeting people. I really emphasise the social aspect of it and explaining that people don't have to be fit to go to park run. You know, they just they just show up in whatever capacity and explain that if it takes them an hour and a half, so be it. And uh, if they want to beat their own t- personal time next week and make it an hour twenty nine, fantastic. You know, but there's no pressure on them to do that. And I also mentioned that we have a tail walker who comes last on purpose. So nobody even ever comes last. Awesome. Well done, Mel. Anything else? Take up your time this weekend. I know you volunteered at Kiwana. Yeah, oh, mostly it was just, um, uh, you know, various event ambassador queries and questions and things like that talking to some people about Commonwealth Games athletes that are coming over from other countries and would like to participate in some local park runs so that's a bit exciting yeah we should get them on the pod well we we should have we can do we should have an influx of international athletes hitting your part of the world very soon I'm sure some of them would have done a park run or are going to do a park run while they're here Absolutely. I know we, we have had some that came over to scout uh, local areas last year to see where they might want to train their athletes. And they brought a couple of athletes with them. And those athletes came and participated at that time. So I'm sure they'll be back. What did you get up to, Scotty? I think you mentioned last week that you were planning on heading off on an adventure and you weren't sure where. I wasn't. But we made up a last minute decision to head to Monendi, 
which was out at Mernda. I've never been to Mernda officially. We we ran the trial many months ago, but now I've ticked off that event. Uh, my quick 30-second take on Mernda, it's one of those multi-lap events, but there's lots of variety within those laps. So it's you're going around a lake and then into some gravelly nature conservation area and then there's even a little bit of a hill up alongside the road so lots of contrast and variety out at Mernda Um, and the other good thing is I got a top 10 finish and I was just jogging so I started out just having a run I don't know what I was doing this is this has become my thing at park run I don't do any warm-up I don't know if I'm walking with Kasha that's all that's sort of a last minute decision between Yvonne and Kasha um and so I just start moving when they say go. And then I realise that well, there's only a few people in front. And then this little bit of competitive urge creeps in. Um, not so much that I actually want to run hard and, and sweat and puff, but uh, I just move through a few people. So I got a top 10 finish, which doesn't happen oh. very often. Congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, so that was parkrun. But also parkrun extended to Saturday night this week because I went down to the Bellarine Sunset Run, uh, scored myself a free ticket into that event. It's a 21.8k event, not a, not a familiar distance. And uh, it's a, they, they advertise it as a sunset run, but it starts at about 4.30. And I don't know what it's like up in Queensland at 4.30, but down here at 4.30, it's bloody hot. The sun's almost in full force. And I absolutely overcooked myself on this run to the point where I was in I was in quite a lot of stress as as we got halfway. So take it back. Um, it's an out and back, and it's all along the coastline, so fully exposed. So running 10k out, we were running into a headwind, and while the wind was cooling, it was also really hard to run into a headwind. And I got to the turnaround point just thinking it's going to be so easy to come back with this tailwind. But that it never works that way, does it, Mel? No, you get buffeted from the side usually at the very least, if it hasn't completely reversed to be a headwind on the way no. back too. Look, it, it didn't reverse, but it never feels the same. You never feel like you're getting the same benefit of a tailwind compared to the negatives of a headwind. Um, but the bigger issue is I was just completely exhausted after 10K and... It was, I think I'm going to put it on record, as probably the hardest race I've ever run, including marathons, because I was really distressed. I thought I thought I was having a heart attack a few times. Um, I kept looking at my heart rate monitor and it was through the roof, but then I'd look at it a few minutes later and it was right down. So um, there's a tip for beginners. Don't trust your heart rate monitor on the wrist. I'm not sure how accurate they are. We need We need to get some experts in. Who can explain to us? To explain to us this technology thing, because I'm switching between Garmin's and TomToms at the moment, and I've even done a couple of runs with my Apple Watch, and my heart rate is never the same. It's dependent on watch, so I don't think uh, I can really rely on that. It could be that your heart is all over the shop. It could be. Yeah, I could be having a heart attack. Well, I hope that's not the case, Mm. but it doesn't sound like you had much fun in your sunset run. No. No, and it was 21.8 kilometres, I think. Ah, oh, so you got a bonus 700 metres. <laughs> yeah, bonus 700 metres. That's but very I, generous of the organisers. Yeah, uh, but I, I think you, I kind of forget, I don't know about you, but I kind of forget that 21's a long way to run. 
I've convinced myself that, oh, it's just 21. I can do that easy. But when you're actually doing it, it's a long time running. There's no just about it. And there's no just about 21. It, it, at the moment where I'm placed fitness-wise, uh, 21.8 kilometres is a long way. And in the heat, in the wind, it was a challenge. But it was an adventure. And we had, there was this other thing. So you race a pirate ship. And I'm, I'm happy to say that I beat the pirate ship. But I never saw the pirate ship out on the water. I'm not sure if I was too focused on the pain of what I was going through. or I, I suspect the pirate ship cheated. I don't think it ran the same or it sailed the same course as we did. Does the pirate ship have a motor? No. So it would have had the headwinds on the way out too. Yeah. So maybe it couldn't go that way, so it went out. I don't know how ships work. <laughs> but I never saw it. But then I crossed the finish line and they said, yes, you beat the ship. Okay. Well, well done you for beating a pirate ship. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. Thank you. And, and good event. One of those good <laughs> good community events. And why why the parkrun connection? Because I think everybody I spoke to was a parkrunner. I ran into, I knew them through parkrun, or I would start a conversation and eventually they would talk to me about parkrun. So I can't escape it. And was, was this all part of your training, this distance, doing that on the weekend? Is it like a strategic thing in part of your plan or was it just, oh, you know, there's going to be this fun run on and I'll just participate? Well, there was a free ticket going, so I snapped it up and it was a free ticket from my coach. So I said, coach, I'm going to run this on Saturday night, which meant I had a, a day off on Sunday, which was also a bit weird. I, uh, I'm in a bit of pain. So I didn't think it was wise to go out for a Sunday run after a long Saturday night run. But it kind of fit my plan, and I'm back on track this week. Okay. So thanks for all those people that have been asking too. Remember a couple of episodes I asked It was people, last episode. Was it? Yeah. I asked people to check <laughs> in on me. <laughs> and so I've had a couple of random texts, and a couple of people actually ask me, uh, am I on track? So I need it, people. I need it because uh, I know I'm going to sleep, and... If I know that people, even if you're just pretending that you care, uh, just keep pretending for a few more weeks so that I create this habit. A couple more months even. Stick to it, yeah. See, and now this is the problem. I don't want that kind of pressure, yet I'm getting it. I accidentally clicked interested in the Melbourne Marathon Festival for the Half Marathon in October on Facebook, and oh my goodness. <laughs> Everyone's going to town with, yay, go Mel, congratulations. Oh, I'm going to take this as a definitely you're going. It's like, no, no, no. I said interested. I didn't say going. And yeah, now everybody's just putting on the pressure. And it's like, oh, I don't, I don't react well to pressure. I'm no coal turning into a diamond. I just, <laughs> you know. No, embrace it, Mel. I, I took it as you were coming. I oh, took did it you? when you said on the podcast. <laughs> I said, right, great. Let's, let's start making plans for your Melbourne adventure. About it. No, no, it's happening. It's <laughs> happening. I think we've just got six or seven months to get you from going from the half to the full. Well, see, the thing is, Adam has a potential work opportunity which involves a nine-day cruise, so that might conflict in October with the marathon. Right. Festival, do you work? For, so. Do you work with Adam? Do you? I. 
don't, but then don't bring that's an excuse. I'm hearing excuses. I'm not sure I could pass up an opportunity to to lounge around on a cruise for nine days if that came up. You'll just be a distraction to him. Let the man focus on his job. (laughs) You come and run a marathon in Melbourne. We'll see. Give people what they want. I've never been one to bow to peer group pressure, so that's that's not going to work if that's the tack you're going to take. I see that as a challenge. Parking from a place we don't actually have a park run yet, but we we hope to change that in the not too distant future. We have a lovely young lass by the name of Jenna Brooke, who is about to embark on an excellent adventure. Here to tell us all about it, we have the Jenna herself. Jenna, welcome to the Park Run Adventurous podcast. Thanks so much for having me, guys. We'll, We'll let you do the telling. What exactly are you going to get up to from next week? Oh, well, it's very exciting, that's for sure. Um, So on the 18th of February, I'm starting a run from the southernmost tip of Tasmania um, all the way to the tip of Cape York um, up in Queensland. So it's just in excess of um, four and a half thousand kilometres over four months, um, all in aid of bowel cancer. Okay, and we're calling it Running for Bums. Interesting name. So tell us a bit why we're running for bowel cancer. What's the idea yeah, there? So, yeah, so um, bowel cancer for me is uh, something that I feel I have a message that can make a difference in the world. Um, my family has had a bit of bowel cancer in it. My granddad uh, had bowel cancer later in his life um, and because of that our family has been very vigilant with our screening um, and because of a couple of symptoms that I had uh, and, and the family history of bowel cancer and bowel polyps, I personally was screened started screening when I was 25 um, and I've had 14 polyps removed already. Um, so it's my hope that I will never develop bowel cancer, even though I do have a, a, a relatively high risk um, if I don't screen. Um, and that's sort of what the whole Running for Bums is about. It's about starting a conversation about bowel cancer. You know, we as a society aren't that comfortable talking about bowels and bums and poo and colonoscopy. Um, so it's, yeah, it's really just about getting that conversation started and, and trying to reduce some of the embarrassment and stigma that can be associated with bowel cancer so that more people are screening early, they're more open to talk with their doctors and families about it um, and we can really start to, to cut into the 80 lives a week that are lost um, in Australia to bowel cancer. Okay, yeah, you touched on it there. Like we are embarrassed I think it's because it's, as you said, it's dealing with our, our private bit stuff we do in the toilet in our own private moments. But 80 people a week are dying from this disease. That, that, that's a lot, I imagine. Yeah, it, it's quite staggering. So bowel cancer is, it's the second um, biggest cancer killer in Australia. It obviously affects men and women um, and actually affects them quite equal, equally. Um, we do have it, it more prevalent, I suppose, in the older society, but more and more young people under 50 you know, people that are 40, 30, even 20 years old, um, even younger than that sometimes that are getting diagnosed with bowel cancer. And and it is it is really sad to think that people are dying every week because they were too embarrassed to talk about it um, when it was in its infancy. And then eventually when they do talk about it and they go to their doctor, it's too late, unfortunately. Um, and, and, you know, nobody, nobody wants to, to face bowel cancer. And if we can get people... Um, who are at a higher risk of bowel cancer screening earlier, maybe we catch them, you know, in stage one bowel cancer or even stage two. 
not stage four when it's already spread to other organs um, and, and their options are very limited. So, yeah, it, it is it is tricky in today's society. Um, you know, we don't really want we'll, – we'll do a lot of other things, you know, on social media and everything and be very open. But when it comes to, to talking about, um, you know, our bodily functions, we are still quite reserved with it in this country. I've got no issue talking about poo at all. Scotty will know. He's he's had several conversations with me about poo, mostly to do with my, my infant son, but, you know. Oh, I'm glad you cleared that up more. <laughs> <laughs> I said mostly. Um, we, we all know everybody feels great after they've had a really good poo. I am aware that you can get bowel cancer screening kits at home. So I don't know, do you, you, you might buy them at the pharmacy and take them home and, and do the test and then you send it off. I've got family who've done them. For people who don't actually have a history, how early would, what's the recommendation for sort of getting screened? Look, I mean, I mean, for me personally, if you can afford a bowel cancer screening kit, so you can pick them up from your pharmacy, um, exactly how much they are, I'm not sure, but I think they're around the 20 to $40 mark. Um, as you said, you take them home, you do the test, and then you send it away uh, to get the results back. And basically what that's testing for is blood in your bowel motions because um, it can be an indicator of bowel cancer. It can also be an indicator of other things. So just because your test returns positive um, doesn't mean you have bowel cancer, but it does mean that you need further investigation. So for me personally, if I didn't have any you know, family history of bowel cancer, I wasn't at an increased risk um, and I didn't have any symptoms, and I could afford a bowel cancer screening kit, I'd be going out tomorrow and getting it. I mean, why not? Um, it, it, it's something that, that we have available to us. Why not use it? Um, if, you, if you have a strong family history or you've got a genetic factor, so one in four cases of bowel cancer um, do have a genetic factor to it, um, or if, if you are experiencing symptoms, I would probably be going to your GP and looking more down the route of a colonoscopy. Um, that's me personally, and that is what some um, cancer what's the best word, um, you know, organisations do say um, that the screening kits are great if you don't have any symptoms, um, there's no family history and you just want to keep on top of your screening, definitely grab one of them. You know, we have, I think it's everyone over 50 or 55 in Australia gets one of these screening kits sent to them for free from the government, but only 40 or 50% of people are returning them. So they're getting a free opportunity um, to possibly detect bowel cancer early and it's going in the bin. Uh, so that's and that is again I think back to our um, you know desire to not talk about poo and those sorts of things and the test obviously you need a poo and you need a you need to brush a little paintbrush over it and you know put it on a little bit of paper and send it send it back but that's 50% of people that are getting this test that aren't taking the free opportunity afforded to them so so that really needs to change. And you've mentioned symptoms a lot people showing symptoms but to be honest, I don't actually know what the symptoms would be. Can you share a, a little list that you're aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So the thing with bowel cancer is they can be very um, – uh, it could be a lot of things, obviously, but it's really important to know what the symptoms are so that when you go to and see your doctor, you're a little bit more educated about it. So you're looking for things like um, a persistent change in your bowel habits, so whether – you know, you, you're constipated for a couple of weeks that you're not normally constipated or you, you, you've got diarrhoea or you're switching between the two. Um, you're looking for blood in your bowel movement, so blood in your poo or um, blood on the toilet paper, um, sore pain, cramps in your, in your um, abdomen, maybe even a lump in your belly, unexplained tiredness. Um, you've also got things like low iron or anemia. Obviously, if you're bleeding internally, 
your levels of iron in your blood can go down significantly, which is generally um, what then causes a tiredness. So all of those sorts of things, as I said, they can mean a lot of things. Um, it doesn't mean you have bowel cancer, but if you notice something that changes um, for more than two weeks, then it's so important that you just go and talk to your GP and even mention to them, look, you know, I heard this person talking on the radio the other day, had these symptoms for four months and I haven't done anything about it, you know, can we investigate this? Um, and talk to them about bowel cancer because we do hear stories, unfortunately, um, of people going to their GP with symptoms of bowel cancer and being dismissed. And sometimes they're dismissed because they're female. And as female, we all know that, you know, our, our bowels and our guts can get messed up sometimes from hormones or periods or whatever it might be. Um, they're getting dismissed because they maybe think they're they're too stressed or stress is causing it or maybe they're depressed. Um, and we also see a lot of people getting dismissed because the GP says they're too young for bowel cancer. And we all know with statistics that that's not a good enough reason to not do further investigations. Um, so as you said, a lot of people don't know the symptoms of bowel cancer um, or they kind of know them but not really. Um, so if you know the symptoms, um, hopefully you never experience them, but if you do, just in the back of your mind, you've got, oh, I should go and get that checked out. Okay, great advice. Can we turn to the fun stuff? Can we start talking Absolutely. about running <laughs> four and a half thousand kilometres from one end of the country to the other? So explain that to us. You're starting at the southernmost point down in Tasmania. You're heading up through the middle of the country and you're finishing at the top at Cape York. Yes, first, where that did you is get, the plan. Where did you get the idea for that, firstly? Oh, you know, I, um, I've i always enjoyed adventure um, and being outside. And about, uh, what are we in now, 2018? So six years ago, I walked across the Simpson Desert, um, which is about 430K into my hometown of Birdsville, crossing a 1,000 dunes on the way and totally and utterly loved loved the experience of being relatively on my own I had a small support crew um, and just getting out day after day and just you know moving forward um, the run was really almost an extension of what I enjoy doing um, I haven't been a runner very long in fact I'd only really been a runner a couple of months when I decided that this would be a good idea to do um, and I, I sat down at the kitchen at the breakfast table with my parents one morning um, and I said oh said, I've got an idea. They both sort of looked at me as if to say, oh, no, what's this one going to be? Um, and I said, oh, I think I'm going to run from Tassie to Cape York. And they were like, oh, hmm, all right then. <laughs> um, and I thought Tassie to Cape York is probably the shorter of the three options that I had. One was to go up, one was to go across, and one was to go around. So I thought Tassie to Cape York, I can fit that in in between the rainy seasons um, and still get home in time for the Birdsville races. So it was sort of, you know, the, the top top of the three. So fitting them in uh, in between the rainy seasons, you say. So obviously it's a little bit cool at the moment uh, in Tassie. Cooler in comparison to the rest of the country, I guess you could say, uh, for this time of year. So I think I think you've organised it well weather-wise. But how do you... How do you plan something like this? How do you plan where to stay and how do you break it all down into digestible pieces that you can run? Yeah, that's a very good question. Can I answer that in four months? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I have done so much planning for it. And, and to be honest, I think the running side of it is almost the easiest part. And, you know, I'm 
I'm not an elite runner. As I said, I haven't been running for very long. Um, and I have, you know, had a few niggles here and there in preparing for it. So I'm under no illusions. I'm going to walk a lot of this. Um, I'm certainly going to walk a lot of the first few weeks just to adjust my body to it um, and then hopefully build a really strong base and fitness to then be able to run most of the back end of it. Um, but in terms of planning for it, you know, I think because of my history, I wanted to do bite-sized pieces as as bite-sized as a 4,500K run can be. Um, so the average is about 40K a day or, or thereabouts, 40 to 45, um, which for me is I feel like it's very manageable because I can do it in daylight hours. I've got all day to do it and I think that's something um, which is unique about an experience like that is is I won't be battling with all the other, you know, pressures that you have in your daily life when you when you, you know, put your hand up and say, I'm going to go and do this. It's actually all I have to do every day is just cover that distance. Um, you know, start in the morning, eat a bit of food along the way and finish at camp that night. Um, so, yeah, for me, it, w- it was doing a distance that was realistic um, and that truly reflected probably my running ability, um, which, as I said, is only relatively new. Um, and, and the planning side of it, I'm obviously going, well, not obviously, I'm, I'm going on, on, a, on an inland route Um I'm not going along the coast, which means there's more distance between towns, which means of the, you know, 100 or 120 nights that we're on the road, there's probably four weeks um, or five weeks where we're not in town. So we've actually um, hired a motorhome for the for the mainland section of it, um, just for a little bit of comfort, I suppose, in some respects. Um, so I'm not in a tent every single night, which, which will be in Tassie. Um, thankfully, Tassie is conducive to camping with the weather, so that's all right. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's you know, I don't know how it's going to plan out. I'm, you know, going day one, we'll get through day one. And then day two, I'll think about day two. Um, and that's that's my way of approaching something that's so big that you can't, I can't wrap my head around it, you know, right now, but I can wrap my head around doing the first day. Jenna, there have been other people that have done similar sorts of things, running vast distances. You know, one of the great park runners in this country Pat Farmer has done this many times. Have you reached yes. out to any of these people for advice on what's in store for you and how to get through it? Probably not as much as I ha- I should have, um, to be honest. I think I've been a little bit insulated out here um, and just sort of focusing on my own progress and preparation and, de- and preparing for it um, with, the, with the ability to th- that I have. Um, in saying that, I have, you know, read uh, one of Pat Farmer's books and followed um, – another runner, Samantha Gash, who's done a lot of these sorts of things um, and sort of, you know, been doing a bit of research about how bodies react to it. You know, how, how long how long do you continually get tired for until you don't get any more tired? You know, is it a week? Is it four weeks? Is it two months? Um, and I think at the end of the day, you know, everybody's body wears differently. Um, and for me, not being that accustomed to doing um, – long distances day after day you know my best friend is going to be um, walking breaks Um, and I think you know in hindsight I probably should have spoken to a lot more people (laughs) probably before I decided to do this Um, but but yeah look I I think you have to um, take you know what you read from other people and and adapt it to your own personal situation for sure. And if people catch you out there along the way is there ways that people can join in? And follow your progress? 
Yep, yep, absolutely. So um, as we spoke about before, it's all in aid of bowel cancer. So the more people that I can talk to, um, the more people that I can have involved in the run, uh, the better that it's going to be for, for building that awareness. So um, if people see me out, absolutely, you know, jump out of your car and come for a run. Um, if you know I'm coming through your town, get in touch, you know, give me a call, send me an email, um, however you want to get in touch. Um, yeah, just just find me. I, I love talking to people and I love um, I love being able to do something that, that has the potential to save so many lives um, and, I, you know, I want as many people to be involved in that and to be a part of it. So absolutely um, come and run with me. If you run really fast, I tell all my friends because I'm probably the slowest runner of everybody, I tell them that if they're going to come, they have to put ankle weight, we're going to put really heavy ankle weights on them just so they can slow down to my little shuffle that I do. Um, so, yeah, and I think that's probably the, the only thing that people probably need to be mindful of is that, is that I might be in, you know, I won't have fresh legs on me. Um, so it might be a little bit slower than what some people are used to, but if they're happy to do that and happy to have a chat, then definitely please, please drop in. Even if you want to just drop in and have a cuppa at camp, it would be lovely. And are you planning? Are you going to try and visit some park runs on the way or is it just going to be dependent on your schedule? How are you going to work in park run to your journey? Yeah, so I would I would ideally love to do some park runs. Um, as we were talking about earlier, living in Birdsville, we obviously don't have a park run and I've never actually participated in one apart from, as I said, accidentally um, in Wynnum one morning when I was running along the foreshore and suddenly had hundreds and hundreds of people come past me and then back the other way. Um, so I would love to be involved in them. Part of it is obviously dependent on the schedule. Um, I know you guys run on Saturday morning, so um, it's just a matter of where I am on my Saturdays um, and what towns I'm in. Do they have park runs? Don't they have park runs? Um, but I mean, I think the parkrun community is probably a lot larger than just your Saturday morning run. Um, so if, you know, people from the parkrun community want to want to catch up when I'm in town, even if I'm in town on a Wednesday um, and there's a few of people that want to drop by and say hello or come and, you know, run the first 5K out of town um, or two and a half K so they can run back again, um, absolutely. But, yeah, I would, as you said, we'll have to register me for parkrun um, before I head off so that I can join in when I when I get to towns on Saturdays. Yeah, because we don't have a park run in Birdsville. Can I talk about Birdsville itself? Like, that's going to be a hot place to run, I imagine, particularly this time of year. What's it like being a runner in Birdsville? Uh, you, it's pretty unique. Um, there's not many of us, um, <laughs> that's for sure, certainly not in summer. You know, it's it's. I think it's just another challenge. Like, everybody faces challenges regardless of where they live or or their own personal backstory. We've all got challenges, you know, that sometimes make it a bit difficult to get out of bed in the morning. I know, you know, for me, we have in January, we probably only had half a dozen days where the max temperature was below 41 degrees or 40 degrees. So, you know, our nightly temps are only dropping down to 30, 32, 34. So quite often for my runs, I'd be getting up at anywhere from 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock um, to do my one, two, three hours before the sun came up. Um, because once that sun comes up, I, for someone that was born and bred in the middle of a desert, I really don't do well in heat. <laughs> um, once that sun's on, on me, if I get too hot, I get frustrated, I get angry, I just want to like fall into a heap and cry and then I want to scream and it's just a horrible experience. So for me, it was about, it's all, always been about getting my runs done before the sun gets up um, so I don't have to to tolerate that. So yeah, like as I said, it, it's it's not easy, but you know, the, the flip side of that is my body is relatively accustomed to running in 30 plus degrees 
most days. And when I get to Tassie, you know, it might only be 20 degrees or um, even less than that at times. So I think the benefit will definitely pay off when I get down there um, that I'm, I will find it quite pleasant, I suspect. And alternatively, when you get to the Cape, there's going to be like crocodiles and things up there. So what, what contingencies have you got in place for dealing with like local predators? Well, I'm really hopeful that the, the rains will have stopped at least a few weeks before I get there. Um, I have been told many times by many people not to try and cross any creek crossings by foot. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to cross any creek crossings on foot, that's for sure. Um, people have said, oh, you can swim in these falls and then someone else says you can't. So I'm thinking maybe I just won't. Um, I don't particularly want to get chomped between crocodile jaws, that's for sure. Um, we do have, I've actually got a great company that are, that are going to provide my support um, in the Cape. So any anywhere that I need to cross a creek, I'll be doing it in the vehicle, that's for sure. There's no there's no doubt about that. <laughs> I, uh, I need to get to that Cape in one piece and preferably with all my limbs still attached. We hope that for you too, Jenna. Um, you must have some great support along the way. We wish you all the best and uh, thanks for coming on the Parkrun Adventurers podcast and sharing your story before you start off. Maybe you should come back when you're nearing the end and we can check in and see how you went. (laughs) It sounds like a great plan. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's been great fun. Just for something different, Mel, because you don't hear my voice enough, I'm going to intro our roving reports this week because we've got a debut performance from from our uh, Madness Quiz champion, our very first and our number one fan, Melissa Ellis files an absolute cracking report from Lake's entrance, as does Toc. So I'll let the listeners decide which one's better. Um, and also we're going to Canada. One of our, another debut roving reporter, Jared Corcoran, or JC. GC. GC. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, he was in Canada and he visited a couple of park runs and someone's calling me. So while I take that call, you guys have a listen to the reports. Good morning adventurers, it's Melissa here coming to you from the Lakes Entrance Park Run launch. I thought I'd do a bit of a fashions on the field report for you here today. I've got with me Chantelle. Chantelle, what park run are you from? Lalo. And what are you wearing today, Chantelle? Um, I've got a, well, I've got odd shoes on, but that's just reality. Um, I've got a tutu on and the apricot park on top. And what colour is your tutu? Purple. And I've noticed there's quite a few purple tutus around this morning. What is the idea behind the purple tutus? The idea about wearing tutus for launches and particular purple ones. Purple ones respect the volunteers and the tutus is at launches. Well, we celebrate anniversaries with dressing up, so why would we not celebrate launches? Yes, and you you do a bit of touristing yourself, don't you, Chantel? I do indeed. I've done about 30-something different events in Victoria. Very good, and we've had these purple tutus now. I think this might be our ninth launch since Newport. Yeah. Yes. So it's taking off. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Chantel. Bye. Thanks, Mel. Uh, we've got Maxime here. Maxime, please tell me about the top you're wearing today. Okay, my top is for cardiac athletes. Um, it's a uh, 
very small group of uh, athletes that have been um, approved by their cardiologists or their doctors to go out and enjoy life, have fun, continue their running um, from all walks of life, from cardiac arrests like myself to um, heart attacks to people born with heart diseases or de defects. Um, we're all there together. It's a worldwide organisation. Currently, I think we've got just over 100 members, but most of them are in the UK and America. So um, we're looking to get more Aussies on board. Well, that's There's great. There's out there. <laughs> <laughs> and what park run are you from, Maxine? I'm from Point Cook in Melbourne. Yeah. And you're a bit of a tourist too, aren't you? Just a little bit of a tourist, yes. One, yes. one of the Victorian statesmen? One of, yes. <laughs> Today is our 32nd launch and I think about 167 park runs. And what did you think of the course? Today's course is beautiful. Um, really lovely, uh, double out and back. Uh, a little bit busy at some spots, but yeah, awesome course. Yeah, Really you. nice. All right, thank you very much, Maxine. You're welcome. For talking to me. Thank you. See you around. Okay, I've got Michelle here. And Michelle, what are you? Tell me about what you're wearing. Okay, I'm, I'm wearing the Australian rundown and the top. Um, what you're seeing here is um, the 2007 version of the top. Um, I've been involved in the rundown under since 2006, and you'll actually see that there are 2006, two sorry, 2016, 2017, and 2018 rundown under tops featured here at the Lakes Entrance Park Run. And what Rundown Under is, is a virtual run around Australia. So uh, what you do is you track yourself on various apps, uh, like you know Strava, for example, and it plots your journey around Australia. And so, how far have you got? I couldn't actually tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm somewhere in Queensland at the moment. That's awesome. However, one of my friends from Taralgon is just about to complete her circumnavigation of Australia. Oh. And she's planning to do that before Easter. Fantastic. And she's here today. Ah, oh, I have to find her. And, and what parkrun are you from? I'm from Taralgon Parkrun. And do you um, travel a lot? Um, not an awful lot. However, I, I have done all the local ones around Taralgon. So uh, Taralgon, Newborough, Warrigal, Churchill, Sale... I've also done uh, also done Coonwarra Parkrun when they did their launch. Oh, I was there too. Um, and I went across to South Australia's Parkrun in Clare, and that was hilarious because there was a group of five of us, and we attended the Clare Parkrun, and we doubled the patronage for Clare Parkrun. That's awesome. So there were only ten people in total, so we all got places in our age categories. Wasn't that great? That, that's great. Are you, are you trying to become a Gippslander? Oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that means that you've done all the park runs in the Gippsland region. Oh, well, certainly I can aspire to that. <laughs> all right, thank you very much for talking this, to me. This lady here you need to talk to. Okay, now I'm here with... Mandy. Mandy. Um, Mandy has just... Comp she's actually running for Rundown Under as well. And what's special about today, Mandy? Today I'm actually running virtually and literally running through Lakes Entrance on my tour. So I've started in Canberra and I've worked my way up through New South Wales, Queensland, across Northern Territory, down Western Australia, South Australia, Victoria, down to Tassie, back into Victoria, and now in Lakes Entrance on my way back to Canberra. Wow, so you're nearly finished. Yes, due to finish in April, about the 19th of April, back to Canberra. And what's your local park run? Uh, registered as Terrelgan. I live in Churchill, so I split my time between Churchill and Terrelgan. Oh, that's fantastic. And what did you think of the course today? It was really good. It was nice and flat, beautiful water, got a bit of breeze. It was, yeah, I really liked it. The, the path with the out and back when you got 
the fast runners going out and the three lanes was a bit tight, but without these many people today, it would be good. How many do you think we've got here? I think about maybe about 250. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> All right, well, thanks very much for talking to me, Mandy. No worries. And that's a wrap from me from beautiful, sunny Lakes Entrance Park Run launch. Ticked off one of my goals for the year to do a roving report. See you next time. Howdy park runners, Toc reporting in for the Channel 5 News crew at the launch of the Lakes Entrance Park Run. Uh, we're just here, just pre-briefing. Uh, we're down at the lovely town of Lakes Entrance. Lakes Entrance is a fishing and a tourism community about three hours east of Melbourne. Set back from the main beach with an inlet with a bridge across it from the main drag. The park run runs along the inlet. Uh, it's a double out and back course set right on the water's edge. It's a beautiful day down here. Numbers are growing and as usual for the Victorian, two, uh, Victorian launches, there's a sea of purple tutus out here as well. Great crowd I'll report in after we've had our run. Cheers park runners. Howdy park runners, we're here at the Lakes Entrance finish line. I'm here with Nigel. Nigel's the event ambassador for Lakes Entrance. Nigel, really great turnout today. Oh, I couldn't have asked for any better. We've got great conditions, um, beautiful, uh, Swans in there with the rainbows in behind. Everybody's stopping to take photos, and uh, we've got better numbers than we expected, so it's, it's great. It's been a really funny course. Uh, I haven't seen too many people stopping on courses before to take photos mid-run, but today there were people stopping everywhere to take photos. So it's a lovely course out there. Yeah, it's good, nice and flat. So um, it was a little probably a bit tricky for people wanting to uh, to run some fast times there, weaving in and out because there's so many people um, on the course. But that's a great thing. So it'll be a good fast course come week three or four when the numbers thin out a little? Definitely, yeah. Nice yeah. and flat and uh, concrete path all the way except a little bit of grass finish here. Oh, well, congrats on a fantastic launch. Great speech there at the start. And, hey. uh, yeah, onwards and upwards. Thanks, Tok. Cheers. I'm here with Hayley. Hayley's the ED of the Lakes Entrance Park Run that launched today. Hayley, what sort of numbers did you end up with today? We had a large crowd today. We had over 250. I didn't see the final number, did you? Oh, I think it might have been 254. Perfect. So Which... great crowd, at least 100 extra than what we expected. So here, Lake Centrance, we had a sunny day, rainbow behind the swans on the water here. It was beautiful. Yep, and um, your course, what uh, made you select the course down along the inlet, other than the fact that it's absolutely stunning and beautiful and a great course? Exactly. Well, we're so lucky to have a big rotunda here, so nice shade. We've got the toilets just up from us, um, drink fountains, and it's flat. Nice concrete path and safe for everyone. Yep. I, I met you, Hayley, about a year ago when you were starting to look at Park Run. It's been a fair bit of a journey over the year to get it up and running. Uh, but what made you think about establishing Park Run in Lakes Entrance? Yeah, good question, Tony. So I found out about Park Run at our neighbouring Park Run in Bansdale um, over a year ago, and I thought, what a great concept for our community um, and to get people out, meeting new people, and active. So Bansdale Park Run inspired me. Well done. It's been an amazing day, an amazing event. The volunteers were, as always, fantastic. Yes. It was so smooth and professional. You look like you've been doing it forever. So, well done. Great day. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Thank you for everyone that jumping in and helping out Tony. Um, that was great. No worries. Cheers. Good on you. G'day, Adventurers. It's uh, G-Train here doing a roving report uh, from Whitby Park Run in Canada, where I've just done my second run. And I'm here with the uh, event director, Anise. How are you, Anise? I'm doing very well. Can you tell us a bit about Whitby Park Run, how long it's been going and so forth? Yeah, so Whitby Park Run, we started April 1st of 2017. So we're just been going under a year now. And uh, I used to run in England, in Basingstoke, 
And that was my home park run. And I was running that from about, I think, 2012. And we moved back to Canada, and I thought this is a great idea. Let's see if we can get something started where, where we am. So I got in touch with uh, Ewan, who is the event director for all of Canada. And Park Run Canada started in 2016. Yeah, I think 2016. Uh, so started speaking with him, got in touch with the local council people, got some funding in place. And yeah, we were ready to go in, in April 2017. And uh, yours is the first Park Run in Ontario, and there are now four they're quite far apart. Do you get many people who have done all four park runs? We have had people that have done all four park runs. Um, a few of our Whitby runners have gone up to Canada, down to Beach Strip, which is maybe about an hour's drive from here. And there's one Bellevue, which is in Sault Ste. Marie, which is a bit more of a track, about four or five hours uh, drive away. Uh, interestingly, we had a couple that were visiting from England. I think they're on a gap year. Uh, and they were on holiday in Canada and they were making it part of their holiday was to visit every park run in Canada over a two or three month span. So it was quite interesting because they have photos of every park run, not just in Ontario, but all across Canada. And it'd be interesting to see as park run grows, if they'll be back to, to check off on their list that they've still done all the runs in Canada. We have a concept in Australia of uh, statesmen, so these are people who have done all of the park runs within their state, which is uh, like doing it all in a province here, so I guess you'd uh, call them countrymen or Country. something along those lines. Yeah, well, with only 12 at the moment in Canada, it's a little bit easier to, to accomplish, although you know, you would have to travel a couple thousand kilometres to do the ones from Montreal all the way over to Vancouver. And what are the prospects for growth in Canada, do you know? Um, I know that there are a lot of opportunities. Um, we are looking at uh, trying to get one started in Toronto. There are a couple of hurdles uh, with the city in Toronto in particular, which we're trying to, trying to overcome. Uh, anyone that starts doing a park run, um, the concept is still a bit new uh, in Canada. It's only been going, like I said, just over a year now. Um, but once people start to do it, they think, oh, this is like a really great concept. And um, in Whippy Park Run, Almost every week that since we've started, we've had tourists from Australia, from England, uh, from Ireland, Scotland, South Africa, and when they see that there are people traveling from all over the world, you know, to be in Whitby for, to do the park run, um, they kind of understand the concept of, of what it is, and they start thinking about, oh, I can contact so and so in this city and get them, you know, encourage them. So when we started last year in Whitby. I think we were the, the fifth in Canada. Now there's about 12 in Canada. Uh, there's 12 in the US as well, where there's probably a lot more growth opportunity. So I think we're getting our uh, getting some traction here. Um, and I see that there's growth opportunities. Um, there's always inquiries coming through um, to uh, the Park Run Canada event director and he'll put out a message saying, can we get support in this city or that city? Uh, if anyone knows anyone on the council or anyone that can help with fundraising, you know, please let us know. So I know that there are there are some things underway. Yeah, back home in Australia in the last weekend, uh, temperatures were quite high, and so that was posing a bit of a challenge for some of the runs back home. You had your own environmental challenges here you know, the last couple of weeks. Would you like to talk about those? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we get more extreme weather here. So in the summers, you know, it can get quite hot. 
one of the park runs um, in Beach Strip, they start a bit earlier in the summertime at 8 o'clock just to avoid uh, the heat. We still start at 9 o'clock uh, over here. Um, in the winter time, there are several different challenges, not just with the cold. Um, so last week we had to cancel the park run because, sorry, was it last week? Yeah, we had to cancel the park run last week because it was um, minus 25 before any wind chill was taken into account. And for your listeners who are unfamiliar with the wind chill, um, this is the added cold that it feels like. Um, so minus 25, a wind chill will probably add another 10 to that. So you're looking at minus 35. For the runners, it's, it's probably a bit chilly, but there's more concern around the volunteers who are standing at the finish line um, processing the results. Sometimes at that temperature, the equipment doesn't work. Um, so then you're worried about volunteers with their bare hands trying to process results or write down uh, barcode numbers and that type of thing. So take that into account. We had our New Year's Day run where it was minus 18. Um, we had eight, eight runners out that day and that wasn't too bad. There was no wind chill to take into account and that's actually not so bad standing outside. Today's run, I think the air temperature was a bit warmer than minus 18. It was being reported at about minus 12. But with the wind chill out there, it must have been over minus 20. And um, we have had rain over the last 24 hours, which has made the, the path that we run along um, very icy, as you know. Um, and so this morning I was kind of debating whether or not to still have the run go, just for safety reasons. I didn't realize with the wind chill exactly how cold it was going to be for the volunteers. So those are, those are a couple challenges. Everyone made it around the course today uh, safe and sound. Obviously at the beginning of the run we make sure that everyone knows where the trail is and everyone is aware of, uh, of the icy conditions and let them know, you know, you don't have to run but if you choose to run, be, be aware of uh, the conditions. So those are, those are a couple of the challenges. Um, we have run in the rain, we've run in the snow. Um, we had to actually cancel a couple of the runs this summer um, because the original course that we were running on got too saturated and it, was, it wasn't in a runnable condition because of the rain. So there's another, another challenge that we didn't really think of at the time when we, when we started because we thought that the grounds that it was held on would be sufficient even if, if it did rain. But, so there you go. Now my home park run is Berwick Springs, Victoria and we do two laps around the lake there. How many laps around Lake Ontario would we be doing with your park run? <laughs> you wouldn't even be doing. Uh, uh, you wouldn't even register as, as any any lap. So our park run here is along the waterfront trail on Lake Ontario, and we do a two and a half kilometer out and back um, along the waterfront trail. The Beach Strip Park Run also are along a waterfront trail further down. Like I said, it's an hour's drive away, still along the lake. Um, you can probably fit hundreds of park runs around Lake Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would probably be an interesting goal to uh, have uh, a park run in each city along the lakefront. That would, that would be a good, yeah. good concept. And there you go, you would have another uh, tourist option uh, or another goal, do the, the Lake Ontario circle. Yeah. Um, I think that probably wraps it up for now. And uh, thanks very much for the run today and last weekend on um, New Year's Day. It's uh, been great running here. 
and I uh, hope uh, all the parkrun adventurers who are heading over to Canada come along to Whippy Parkrun, check it out and meet Anise and uh, his uh, loyal band of volunteers. Yeah, well, it's, it's been great having you and you know, hope, to see, hope to see more visitors and everyone is invited. Thank you. Thanks, Anise. I've just finished doing a walker at Beach Street Park Run in Hamilton, Canada. Um, and I'm here at the moment with uh, Stefan, who is the run director today, and Ella, who is the uh, timekeeper. Uh, so, to you first, Stefan, can you tell me a little bit about uh, Beach Street Park Run? Well, Beach Street Park Run is one of the first park runs here in Ontario, and it's situated right beside Lake Ontario, and it gets the name Beach Strip because it runs along the lake shore. And it's a very nice route and um, in a pretty part of, uh, of Hamilton. And how long has it been going? We've just, um, we're going to have our first year anniversary will be in April, I believe. So we're just under a year. So it's still growing. And what can you tell me about the course itself? So the course is an out and back course. It's along a wide sort of multi-use path that runs along the lake. So we, in the summer, we have to compete with cyclists and wa dog walkers and so on. But in the winter, we pretty much have the course to ourselves, And it's very flat. Uh, it can be a little bit open and breezy because of the lake, but it tends to be a fast course. Thanks, Matt. And now, Ella, you get, I guess, asked the same question uh, that I get asked over here. Where's your accent from? Australia. <laughs> and what are you doing uh, um, as part of the event team at uh, Beach Trip? Um, I reached out to Parkrun Canada when I moved here to help start a parkrun because I missed it so much. It was a part of my regular life in Australia. And uh, yeah, I moved here to spend time with friends in Canada and it's been a really great part of my life here in Canada. And I'm moving back to Australia soon and I'll return to my home parkrun in Newey. And I guess it's been an exciting time being part of uh, not only a new parkrun, but a new parkrun in, um, in a country where it's just beginning. Yes, definitely. It's um, yeah, been a very new experience, but something I've been great to be a part of. And uh, have you done any of the other park runs in Canada? I've done Whitby Park Run, which is also a very nice course with a friendly group of volunteers. <laughs> so that was the fun that was had in last week and, and recent weeks. What fun have we got on the agenda for this week, Scotty? Well, there's usually lots of fun at launches. So we're launching two new events this week. One in Goulburn, which I've done a freedom run at, so I'm quite the expert in that course. If you've got any questions about that event, feel free to fire them at me. And also Nil in Victoria, which is an interesting one. Nil's not a big town, I've got to tell you. It's the old breeding ground from my football club. That's why I know where it is. All the great Essendon footballers that I grew up with came from that area, and now they've got a park run, so I might, I might have to go and visit. I can't make the launch, but... Breeding ground for your football club is a very interesting description. Is it? <laughs> yes. Well, back in the day, the AFL, they used to zone parts of the country. So if you were born or playing football in the northwest parts of Victoria, you were zoned to play for Essendon. Or if you were from central north, you were zoned to play for Melbourne, for example. It was a really weird way of deciding which players would play for whatever. They've scrapped that and now they go for a traditional draft system. But back in the day when I was growing up, yes, I am old, um, when Essendon were winning premierships in the 80s, all our players came from Dimbulla and Nil and Horsham and um, that's why I know where Nil is. 
Well, there's a fact that I've learned today. There you go. Also fun, though, is anniversaries, and we've got a bunch of those this weekend as well. We've got three of them in Queensland. It's the triple threat of Bundaberg, Golden Beach, and Ipswich. And then we've got one in New South Wales and one in WA with Lake Mac and Moora having their anniversaries as well. So happy anniversary to all those events. Hope you guys have a wonderful time. Enjoy lots of cake and donuts and costumes. Now give us a fun fact about oh, Golden Beach. I'll make it easy for you. A fun fact about it? Well, this week it's go- it's going to be a pea party. So I am in the midst of creating costumes for myself and my husband and my son that begin with P. I'm not going to tell you what they are, though. They're going to be very cute. Right. Adam is not 100% impressed that I'm <laughs> dragging him into this one. So This is a theme that's developing with Adam. He's getting less and less interested in your costume creations as time goes on. Or has this always been the way and uh, he's just... Not as creative as hiding it anymore. He always comes around Doesn't by the he? end. But you know what? I um, Costumes aside, last week we uh, put a question out to our listeners and this is the first week where the word of the week has not been messaged to me or texted to me with the answer. So I had to go looking for my own answer. Do you remember what the question was, Scotty? Yes, the underpants that the sumo wrestlers wear. I didn't know the name, you didn't know the name and neither did our listeners. So that's... That's comfort on some level. <laughs> Obviously, we're not big in Japan. Um, but so I, I had to look it up. And there were a couple of different things. Uh, there, There's traditional Japanese undergarments for adult males um, that they wore before World War II, which was called fundoshi. But that's not the same. It's very similar to what the sumos wear. But what the sumos wear is called mawashi. And... Um, did you know, here's a fun fact, the garment can weigh more than eight pounds and be up to two feet wide before it is wrapped around the sumo wrestler. And contrary to popular belief, it is not a nappy. It's a <laughs> loincloth described as a form of fundoshi right. or Japanese undergarment. There's like a whole way that you have to like, oh, it's got 12 pictures of how you have to wrap this thing around to get it on. That's a bit more involved than how I would put on my undies. It certainly is not a 12-step process. There you have it. Anyway, so I'm a little bit disappointed in all our listeners that no nobody helped us out this week on the Word of the Week. And I've got a crying baby down the other end of the house that I'm going to have to go get. Oh, really? Before he crawls, yeah, before he crawls himself out of the cot. Hold Look, on a second. You go get him. We've already, we've already had the phone call, so let's have the crying baby as well. Let's go for the, <laughs> the all double. All right, hold on. I'll bring him in. Okay. crying as soon as I pick him up. Where is he going to say hello to the parkrun adventurers? You thinking about it? How long have we got with Wes before he completely cracks it? Um, well, he shouldn't crack it now. He's up. Okay. Okay, He's let's up. put a timer on it. Let's, let's just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> so this podcast could be a two-hour episode if Wes performs. <laughs> well, he'll be the, um, 
the arbiter of when we finish. Yep. Okay. Um, so we don't have a word of the week this week because, uh, well, our listeners failed the challenge. So that's segment. And it looks like I've remembered everything I meant to tell you. So that's also a good thing. Yep. But one thing we did have from last week is we were social adventuring this weekend. We posted on Instagram. And we wanted you, our listeners, to post along with us. And they did. And so we said we'd give a shout-out to those people that did. And so here's your shout-out to Running Guy Ryan. Now, technically, he, he posted from a few weeks ago, but he put it on this weekend. So he just snuck in. Uh, Barefoot Mike, 77. Ready Debbie Run. Mbotto. Hold on, hold on. I, I've had to relocate to the floor. So I will just look at my computer. What do you want me to do? It? No, is, no, no. It's all good. Okay. I'm almost there. Diamond Creek Runners, Will Park Runner, Be Like Mel, Mama of Hope, Misspelt, Wendy Glenn, Big Running Bear, and Sandy's Shell. Sandy's Shell's Life. <laughs> you got it wrong this time. <laughs> Great. That's ex- yes, I knew you were going to give me the difficult ones. See, Wes is laughing too. <laughs> It's funny, Wes, because she gave me crap about getting that wrong plenty of times. So it was good to see you get it wrong this time. <laughs> uh, the other the other takeaway I wanted to do from Instagram is that I posted that I was at Munda, which people, a couple of people guessed, and I got 86 likes. And you posted with, with my daughter, and you posted with Wes at Kiwana, which I don't think anybody got, did they? Uh, we did have one person guess it. Okay. That per- <laughs> well, sorry, sorry, I got that wrong, wrong Wes. But, um, but uh, okay, we get it, Wes. We're going to wrap up now. You got 120 likes, so we can put that debate to it's bed. It's not a popularity. But you are the favourite. You are the people's champion. <laughs> no, I think it's either the extremely chubby cheeks of my eight-month-old son, or it's completely about the time. You posted earlier, so I posted second, which means that mine would have come up in people's newsfeed a little bit later, and you you probably posted while they were still at Parkrun. I'm not buying it. I had ducks as well. You had ducks. Ducks are cute. Ducks were cute, (laughs) but no, still one, so that's life. I've dealt with it, and I'm moving on. Petition, Scotty. We're a team. (laughs) Oh, there it is. <laughs> okay, we get it, Wes. We get it. It's time to wrap it up. Mel, thanks for another stellar week. Back for episode 99 next week. It's going to be a it's fast gonna be a one. It's going to be a goodie. Yeah, it's going to be a good one next week. Looking forward to it. Already. Ah, my, my microphone, my headphones, my headset, they're being ripped off my head. Okay. So over and out, Scotty. 